Now, in our book, 1 Peter, Peter has presented us with a, a lot of great information up to this point, a lot of doctrine, a lot of theology. Uh, he's presented to us uh, early in the book the sovereignty of God, the omniscience of God. He presented to us God's great mercy. He presented to us the hope of salvation. He has presented to us God's amazing grace. He has called us to holiness. Be you holy for I am holy. He's presented to us the reality, the fact that Jesus is the cornerstone of God's kingdom and that we, followers of Christ, are the living stones built upon that foundation of the cornerstone. We are the living stones that build up the kingdom of God. And we saw last week that we are God's representatives, a chosen race, a holy nation, precious to God. So lots of great doctrine and theology, but we come to a point in this epistle where Peter has presented all of this great information to us about who God is and about the salvation that he offers and about who we are if we accept that salvation and that we become a new creation and that we become a new nation, that we become precious, the chosen ones of God. But we come to this point in the epistle where Peter shifts gears a little bit and he essentially says, given all of that, given all that I have told you about who God is and about who you are in Him, now let's ratchet it down a bit here and take a closer look at what are you supposed to do with that? Who are you supposed to be? How are you supposed to live? And so he gives us some really practical information here. Beginning in our passage today, in the next several verses, he explains to us about how it is that we are to live in this world. Looking back last week, verse 12, he says, Keep your conduct honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. So what are these good deeds well i think over the next couple of messages i believe that we will see in peter's epistle what it is that we are to do how is it that we are to live our lives in this world for we are a saved people we are a chosen people we are righteous before god because of the shed blood of jesus but we are living in a fallen world Things are not perfect here. Maybe you noticed. Margaret just passed out back there because she said a big amen and fell out. This is not a perfect world. So we are sojourners. We are pilgrims passing through. We are ambassadors. We are representatives of another kingdom, of another land. And so as we are here in this fallen world and we represent the kingdom of God, then we need to represent it well. He says that he wants us to live a life of good deeds so that others might see our good deeds and glorify God. So what are these good deeds? How do we live this good life 
in this world. Well, some of the things that Peter shares with us and that we will be looking at is how do we respond to the government and those in authority over us? How do we respond to employers? Even sometimes employers are not really great. And how do women live as good wives? And how do husbands live as good husbands? So I've entitled today's message, Guidance for Doing Good. So he's saying, taking all into consideration about who God is and who you are, then how is it that you are to live this life in this world? And so he wants to give us some guidance about living this life, living a good life, doing good in the context of a fallen world so that we might represent the kingdom of God well. Draw your attention to our passage this morning, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. He says there, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. So let's take that and... uh, Dig into that a little bit, try to understand more about what he has to say to us. First of all, he says, be subject to every human institution. So who are these human institutions? Well, he answers that question to some extent, but he's only giving some representation. So when we see here that he says, be subject to every institution, whether it be the emperor or the governors, he's not limiting it to that. He's simply giving that as examples. So I want to make sure that we understand that, you know, today's message is not strictly about how are we supposed to respond to the government. We don't want to get off on on a tangent here, but he is giving us examples about how are we to respond to the government, yes, and to those in authority over us. So he says, be subject to every human institution like the emperor, who in our case would be like the president, right? So uh, for them, the emperor, the king, the ruler, so in our context here in the U.S. would be like the president as supreme because in our uh, system of government, the president is the the top at the head, right? The buck kind of stops there. So Be subject to every human institution like the emperor or like the president who's at the top or to the governors. Now, the governors were like like governors, much like they are now. (laughs) And so the governors are kind of the next level down, and they're like responsible for uh, carrying out some of the things that the emperor, the king, or the president Uh, directs them to do and so they're responsible for carrying that out but it doesn't stop just at the the emperor or the president or the governors but all authority so in effect what he's saying here is that 
we should represent well, that we should be submissive, we should be subject to those that are in authority over us. That we should be willingly subject to them, that we should submit to them. And that's part of how we are a good example of the kingdom of God, not being rebellious, not being uh, warring and, and fighting, but to be submissive and subject to those who are in authority over us. He says essentially that those who are in authority over us, specifically the governors, they're there to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. This is not a unique concept uh, to Peter or to this epistle. Even the Apostle Paul makes this point, this principle very clear in his book to the Roman church, his letter to the Roman church. He says there in chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, the Apostle Paul writes, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Like he and Peter like got together or something and talked about this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. So those who are in authority over us are there because of God's sovereignty. They are there at His will. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Yikes. I get the impression he's pretty serious about this. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. If you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Don't do good just to avoid the wrath, but do good for conscience sake. Do it because it's the right thing to do. He goes on and says, For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay all, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Between what Paul says and Peter says, I don't think there's any question. You couldn't read those two passages and misunderstand that there is a very clear message there that we are to honor and respect those in authority over us. Now, a quick aside, sometimes they're not great. Sometimes we don't agree with them. But let me point out what may be obvious to you. He doesn't put that caveat in here. He doesn't say honor and respect those positions as long as you agree with them. As long as they do what you think they should do. He doesn't say that. Just like in the, uh, 
the Decalogue, in the Ten Commandments, we are to honor our mother and father, period. It doesn't say honor your mother and father as long as y'all get along, as long as they do what you tell them to do, as long as they think the way you think and they agree with you all the time. It doesn't say that. It says honor your father and mother. And he makes clear here that we are to be subject to, submissive to, honoring to those in authority over us. But sometimes we're going to disagree. Sometimes there's going to be people in positions of authority who are not very honorable, who are not very moral. God's not stupid. He knows that. But He tells us that to honor that position of authority. Honor that position of authority. As I said before, you know, we could easily take this concept of how we relate to the government from a biblical perspective. We could get off on some tangents. We could go down some rabbit holes about capital punishment, about going to war, about taxes, about morality or immorality of the laws. But that's not our message today. Lord willing, maybe one day we'll, we'll take that and do a series on that. Like, you know, how do we respond to the government from a biblical perspective? But Peter's point here is not to veer off into a discussion about the government, but it simply is to give an example of how we are to live, how we are to do good before others in the context of how we relate to the government. So why? Why is it that we are to obey? Why is it that we are to submit and subject ourselves to those in authority over us? Well, he tells us in verse 13 there, for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. If we are ambassadors, we are representatives, then we should, for the Lord's sake, for the good of the Lord, for the benefit of the Lord. You understand that? For the sake of, sake is one of those words that you might use a lot and never really give any thought to like what it means, right? But when you stop and think about it, for the Lord's sake, what he's saying is for the benefit, for the good of the Lord. Because if we are representatives of God, if we are representatives of the Lord Jesus, how we act, how we behave, how we relate to government and to those in authority over us is a reflection on Him. So we strut around, we say, well, you know, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus. And then we don't represent Him well. That's a poor reflection on Him. And so He says that first and foremost, for the sake of the Lord, be submissive, Subject yourself to those in authority over you. He also says in verse 15, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We should be an example of righteousness, of holiness, we should be a representative of God. 
To say that we are a Christian, we are a follower of Christ, that we believe in God, that we submit to God, maybe that we've given our life to Christ and we don't follow His Word. What does that message say? What sort of message does that send to people when we say, oh yeah, I follow Jesus, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God, I follow His Word, and then we don't do what His Word says. Well, today He's telling us that we are to be subject to those in authority over us. And that's part of how we live our life. That's part of how we represent well the kingdom of God. For the Lord's sake, and because it is the will of God that by doing good we should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. It's very difficult for people to argue with your life. If people see you living a life that is different, if they see you living a life that is committed to obedience to God's Word, if they see you making sacrifices in your life, that says so much more than just your words. If you say that you're a follower of Christ, and people see in your life that you are not being obedient, you are not following God's Word, then it undermines everything that you've said. We should do it for the Lord's sake. We should do it for it is the will of God. We should do it because living a life of obedience and submission to those in authority over us silences the foolish. He also says in verse 16, Don't hide your own sin and cover up evil, but live as God's servants. We should not use the freedom that we have in Christ to commit sin and then try to cover it up and say, well, you know, I have freedom in Christ. I can do whatever I want to. He's willing to forgive me no matter what I do. So therefore, I can do whatever I want to do and God's going to forgive me anyway. So we use that then as a shroud, as a cover to try to cover up the sin in our own lives. So don't hide your own sin and cover up evil but that we should live open lives before God and before man. Let others see God living in and through us so that they may glorify Him. In his letter to Titus, the Apostle Paul in chapter 3 speaks of how Titus should lead those in the early church. He says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. You see, even in that context, he's not getting off on some tangent about the government about whether it's right or whether it's wrong or whether he agrees or disagrees. It's not so much about taking a position in relation to government so much as it is about submitting to the authority of those over you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. And then he goes on. You see, that's simply one thing. We are also to be obedient. 
to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. You see, how we relate to the government, how we relate to those in authority over us, is simply part of how we should live our lives as representatives of God. As we journey here, as we pilgrim here in this world, a foreign land to us, because we really are on a journey on our way home. We're destined for another place. We're destined for heaven. And so we are only here for a short time. But in the time that we are here, those who are of this world are looking at us. They're evaluating us and our claims to be followers of Christ. And just like those people I told you about in Romania, they're looking at us in this world and they're saying, what is it really like? What is it really like? I've heard things, I've read things, but I'm not convinced, I'm not sure. But what is it really like to be a follower of Christ? What does that really look like? And it's up to us to be that representative. When the people of this world say, what does it really look like to be a follower of Christ? That's us. Think about the responsibility that we have to represent the Lord Jesus Christ, to represent the kingdom of God, so that when people of this world look at us and they consider all the things that they've read and all the things that they've heard, and they're wondering, but what does it really look like to be a follower of Christ? Do they see that in us? As a representative of God, we must remember that we are that example. What we do, how we live, how we speak reflects on God. You know, I imagine uh, this fictional kind of hypothetical situation. But let's just say, for instance, that on a Saturday that you're out at your favorite restaurant or you're in one of the local stores and things don't go well. Service wasn't great, food wasn't good, and you just really show yourself. You know, it's one of them, maybe it's a bad day or whatever, but you just really unload on the staff and the manager. I want to see the manager, and this is just terrible, and you just really show out and act ugly. And then the next day is Sunday morning, and you're here at church, and who walks in the door but one of those employees? Welcome to church where we love Jesus. Now what? You see, we shouldn't be that representative of Christ simply on Sunday morning. It's not something we put on and take off. It's not something that we wear on Sunday mornings and then the rest of the time we're just free to do whatever we want. Remember what he said earlier, don't use your liberty to sin and then cover it up. But as a follower of Christ, as a representative of God's kingdom, we should be that all the time. So don't go mess it up during the week and then try to make it up on Sunday morning. As representatives of God, we must remember that we are examples of Christ. We are examples of God's kingdom 
And what we do, how we act, how we speak, reflect on God. He says, so for the Lord's sake. And because it is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. You see, the world is looking for excuses to disregard God's Word. The world is looking for excuses to not accept the salvation of Jesus Christ. The world is looking for reasons and excuses not to give their life to Christ. They're looking for people who will reinforce their skepticism. They're looking for people who say that they're followers of Christ but do not reflect that in their life because then they can point at those people and say, See, hypocrite, you say you believe, but you don't live like it. God calls us to live a life that will put to silence those foolish people. That when they're looking for somebody to affirm what they believe, the skepticism of God's Word, God is saying that we should live a life that does not reinforce that skepticism, but that we should live a life that puts that foolishness to silence. That people will look into our lives and say, wow, look at that. There's somebody that says that they follow Christ and they actually do it. There's somebody who says that they believe the Word of God and I see them actually living it out. I can't be skeptical of that. I, I, I can't challenge that. They're put to silence. So for the Lord's sake and because it is His will, we should subject ourselves to those who are in authority over us. He kind of wraps up his thoughts here. Kind of gives a, an overview. Kind of wrapping up his thoughts, he says in verse 17, Then honor everyone. You want to be a good representative of God? You want to be a good representative of the kingdom of God? Just, just honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Love those who are fellow believers. Love those who are in your church. Love those who are Christ followers. Honor everyone and, and love the brotherhood. You want to be a good representative for Christ? You want to be a good representative for the kingdom of God? Then honor everyone and love the brotherhood and fear God and honor the emperor. Subject yourself, submit yourself to those in authority over you. Honor those who are in authority. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And we are ambassadors for Christ. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation to do good, to love others, 
to represent well the kingdom of God. And Peter has given us in this passage today a first installment of how it is that we are to live good lives. That as we represent Christ, as we represent the kingdom of God, how are we to live this good life so that others may see Christ in us that others may glorify God because of us, because of the example that they see in us, how are we to live that life? For we are ambassadors for Christ. First, he says that we must subject ourselves to those who are in authority over us. We represent God, and He wants us to represent Him well. If you're going to send somebody out to do some business for you, don't you want someone to go that is going to represent you well? God wants us to represent Him, but He wants us to represent Him well. Represent Him correctly. Represent Him rightly. He wants us to keep our conduct honorable so that others may glorify God. He wants us to live lives of obedience and submission so that we may put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. You see, part of honoring God is living a life that is a right example that represents God well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us, that you call us unto yourself. That, Father, you recognize our lostness, that we, by our sinful nature, are separated from you because of your holiness and our sinfulness. And yet, you didn't leave us there. But that because of your goodness, your mercy, and your grace, that you've made a way for us to be reconciled, to be reunited with you through the shed blood of Jesus. And so, Father, given that, I ask that you give us a boldness, a courage to live a life that represents you well. For we owe you so much, more than we could ever repay. But Father, may it be a a, a simple gesture on our part that we would be willing to follow your word, follow what you tell us in your word, Father, that today we've learned that we should subject ourselves and submit ourselves to those who are in authority over us for your sake, that they might see our good deeds and that they may glorify you. And that those who are skeptical of your love, your grace, your transforming power, that they may be put to silence because of the example that we lead. Father, may we glorify you with our very lives. 
that others may see you in us and that they may glorify you too. And this I lift up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.